1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power
0: to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 45 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and on this Emmys episode, I am so pleased to welcome as my guest one of the funniest people in the world, somebody who makes me laugh as hard as anyone, Billy Eichner. The 37-year-old New Yorker is perhaps best known for his recurring guest appearances on the dearly departed show Parks and Recreation, but this year he is in the running for Emmy nominations for two other TV programs. The first is the scripted comedy series Difficult People, which airs on Hulu and is now in its second season. The second, and I must say a personal favorite, is Billy on the Street, a variety sketch series in its fourth season, now airing on True TV. For Billy on the Street, a show in which Eichner accosts people on the streets of New York with hilarious questions, comments, and games, he has previously been nominated for a Daytime Emmy for Best Game Show, then last year with a Primetime Emmy nomination for Best Short Format Live Action Entertainment Program for a special episode that he taped with the First Lady, Michelle Obama, And this year, he will compete for the first time in the Variety Sketch Series category, which was created only last year. His show wasn't eligible last year, but it could well compete alongside the likes of Defending Champion Inside Amy Schumer and Perennial Nominee SNL this year. So, without further ado, let's go to my conversation with Eichner, which provides plenty of insight about the story behind The Laughs, as well as plenty of new ones. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. I really yeah, thanks it. for having me. Absolutely. And, I mean, this is unusual seeing you sitting still because I've gotten so used to <laughs> yeah. seeing you on the go. I guess, first of all, just these last few years, so mm-hmm. much has happened. Before we dive deeply into anything, mm-hmm. what do you make of it all?
0: Well, I just think about how much work has happened and um, how much time it all takes. And it's been a lot of hard work. I mean, it was... 10, 12 years of hard work before anyone knew me at all. And it's been a very interesting, really, for me, slow burn of a rise, even though in typical Hollywood fashion, it sort of feels like overnight. Like he went out and made a few episodes and now there's (laughs) this guy who's here. But for me, it took a long time and it still takes a long time. Billy on the Street in particular Mm -hmm. is an unbelievably time consuming production Mm -hmm. it we do a very good job of making it look pretty effortless i think like we just hit the street and here's what happened and to some extent that is what is happening but there's a lot of preparation that goes into it i'm involved in every aspect of the show pre-production the writing of the questions booking people shooting it editing it
1: promoting it it's a long haul so going backwards when did you first realize that you were funny
0: That's a good question. Um, I started out as a singer when I was a kid. I had a really good singing voice as a kid. And so that was the first talent that I noticed. Because when you can sing, it's very evident you can sing. It's pretty obvious. You can sing or you can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in New York, and we went to a lot of Broadway shows, and I was a real theater kid. I still... Love theater. Um, And so that was the first thing that sort of got me attention, like, in school. You know, like, if you can sing, there aren't that many boys that can sing. You get a big role. Um, And then I think in high school, my friend and I would sort of write sketches making fun of other people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we knew we were on speech team we were on, speech team is a very cultish weird thing um it's it's speech and debate but i right. wasn't on the debate side i was on the speech team side and what that is is really and anyone who's done Speech Team knows this, but if you haven't, it sounds very vague. It kind of is like an acting competition to a certain extent. You're doing scenes from plays, competing against other kids in other high schools, doing different scenes from plays. It all happens in this very strange format. I won't get into it because it's boring <laughs> and very odd, but uh, it's a very cultish thing. Yeah. And and we, my my best friend in high school, Gene, and I would perform as a duo together and compete in like speech team competitions and we go to Yale and we go to other high schools and colleges and things and in our spare time we would mock the other speech team duos <laughs> from other schools and we would sort of write sketches spoofing them right. and people on my speech team in my high school, Stuyvesant, we would perform it for our friends and they loved it <laughs> and I think that's when I got a sense of, oh, I guess my thing is that I'm funny and maybe a bit of a comedy writer, even though I never thought about it in those terms at that time. And probably also
1: capable of improvising and ad-libbing and all of that. All thing. that stuff, yeah. you
0: know? And then when I got to Northwestern, I was like a big-time theater major, musical theater. But I was always cast to be the funny one, you know? And even in plays that were well-written already, like we would do Neil Simon plays <laughs> or Sondheim musicals, I would ad-lib. <laughs> I would make up my own lines, and the right. audience would respond very positively to that, even though I'm sure Sondheim wouldn't love to hear that, right. that I was, you know. But there are shows like A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum where right. it's kind of open to right. improv, and you're talking to the audience and breaking the fourth wall, and I was good at that, and right. people seemed to want that for me,
1: and that's when I kind of knew. If it's okay to ask, I wonder when you first realized that you're gay, because I wonder if you think that shaped your... Sensibilities in any way, the way that people, the mm-hmm. way that you interact with others, the way others interact with you.
0: I was very privileged in that I grew up in New York City. And I went to high school in Manhattan and I took the subway every day and I had very sort of stereotypically very bleeding heart, liberal Jewish New York City parents. (laughs) And we were not wealthy, but we were like middle class, upper middle class people. My parents loved theater and I did, too. And we kind of that's something we did as a family. So and we would go to off Broadway shows and Broadway shows and weird things and, and indie movies and and. So, and the point, my point is that it was never a big deal for me to be gay. And that's a very, I'm very grateful for that, obviously. And that is not typical. But geography often determines your fate, and in my case, that really worked out for me because you know I would go see Rent with my parents, and even though I wasn't openly gay at the time, I was a kid. It was about gay characters, and you saw like gay guys on stage making out, doing this, doing that. I remember went to see a play called Love, Valor, Compassion with my parents, which is literally—I mean, I was in high school, and this is not this is not like Ryan Murphy Glee time. This is way before that, right. um, even before willing grace maybe but the theater world is always so far ahead it was always so far ahead of mainstream culture in terms of uh presenting gay Mm -hmm. stories and so i would go see these things with my parents and it was it it well love our compassion was like literally there's a scene where like eight naked gay men are frolicking on fire island i think (laughs) that might have been a little much for my dad um but really i was very lucky because i could tell in their response to those things that it was not a big deal for them, and I knew when I did come out, whenever it would make sense to come out, that it wouldn't be a huge deal. Right. And so I kind of took that thinking into my professional life and never, naively you could say, or maybe in a, it's very sophisticated, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I never thought about not talking about it, mm-hmm. ever. It was just part of my life. It would be like not talking about being tall, you know, like or, or saying that I'm white. You know, like it felt that obvious to me. And it was only, of course, when I started to, you know, get some heat in the comedy world. And I had a live show in New York called Creation Nation, which Mm -hmm. is where the Billy on the Street video started. And I got a lot. There were big agents coming and I had TV deals. And this is like 2005, 2006. And I had a manager at the time, not my current manager. And she once sat me down and said, maybe don't talk about being gay so much and this is like this is a, a woman who represented a lot of Broadway actors and it represents a lot of famous actors and I won't throw her under the bus uh, and give away her name but that was the first time anyone had said anything like that to me and I'm sure people were some people were thinking it but no one ever actually said it to me and then she meant in my live show because now that there were big agents coming mm-hmm. and you know I think she was a little worried about that and so the next i would do my live show once a month and the next month i talked about being gay even more than i ever did <laughs> just to piss her off right. and then she said to me she was like why did you do that after i remember and and i said i don't know it's just what came out mm-hmm. when i wrote that when i wrote the show this month right. and she said you're a bit of a rebel aren't you and i said i guess i don't really think about it like that i'm just putting down on paper what's in my head mm-hmm. and if i have a joke or any statement to make that in any way involves gay stuff, I'm not going to censor myself. It doesn't make any sense. It's hard enough to think of a good joke. <laughs> I'm not going to cut jokes because that of reference that, right. being gay. Right. And so for me, it's never been a big deal from my perspective. Mm-hmm. That's all I could say about it. Mm-hmm. Like, have I lost jobs because of it? I'll never know. Right. No right. one's ever going to tell you that. Right. And I'm, I bet I've, I've, you know, one of my first big TV jobs was with Bravo. And they they were coming to my live shows. I had a deal to turn my live show at the time, Creation Nation, into a TV Mm -hmm. show for Bravo, which never happened. Mm -hmm. But they put me in other pilots with Andy Cohen, with Joan Rivers. She became a big supporter of Mm -hmm. mine. I wouldn't have gotten those things had I not made my sort of gayness part of what I was doing at the time. So,
1: I don't know. You win some, you lose some. Right, right. So coming out of Northwestern, What did you think you were going to be doing with your life? I was a theater major. I was a serious
0: actor. I mean, I was a serious actor who was funny, Mm -hmm. but I never once thought I was going to be a comedian or do anything where someone would say, like, oh, that's that comedian, Billy Eichner. When they first started writing about me because of my live show, they would say, comedian Billy Eichner. And I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, why the hell are they saying comedian? I'm <laughs> right. not a comedian. I'm an actor. Like, I, I happen to be doing this sketch right. comedy thing. It was it was very strange to me. I mean, I always loved comedy. I loved right. good stand-ups. I loved Steve Martin growing up and Martin Short and a ton of people. But I was an actor. I thought I was going to be
1: Kevin Spacey. You and it's know? funny because you mentioned Joan Rivers, and I think this was a recurring problem for her as well, right? Yes. Yes. And... It's funny that you bring that up because,
0: and some people know Joan and I, like, she was, I don't want to say, like, a mentor, but but she did fill that role a little bit in my life. She was a big supporter mm-hmm. of mine early on, you know, through sort of the ebbs and flows of my career before things really started happening, and I got a TV show that got on the air and stayed on the air. You know, I would reach out to Joan. We would talk about the business, and I always kept that in the back of my mind, and even you know after her death you know because she talks about it in her documentary what you're saying which is that she always thought of herself as an actress that when she started out in the business she was doing comedy at night in stand up clubs to make some money because she had this weird skill but during the day she was auditioning and trying to do off-broadway plays i think she did a few mm-hmm. and i keep that as a lesson in the back of my head and of course joan was a legend, is a legend, and had an insanely wonderful career, and she loved her life. But I do keep that in the back of my head, not to let that get away from me. And that's where I think Difficult People has been very helpful, because I could be Billy on the Street forever, probably, but that is not interesting to me at all. So when
1: you graduated from Northwestern, you moved to New York? Yeah, I moved back to New York. Moved back to New York. And yeah. well, how did Upright Citizens Brigade enter the picture?
0: I, I was a struggling actor in New York. I had done some stuff off Broadway, but nothing to write home about. And was sort of doing the typical New York struggling actor thing. And then I thought one day, okay, what do I do that separates me from the pack? And I thought, I'm funny. I guess not everyone is funny. And also, no matter what you look like or sound like, if you're funny, you, you can not sort of be denied. Um, and so instead of going and waiting on long lines for auditions every day for like regional theater productions of Fiddler on the Roof, which is what I was doing at the time and not getting. Right. Then I decided you got to go where the funny people are. Right. Like meet the people where they are, as they say. Mm-hmm. And so I took a weird stand up comedy class. Very strange late nights that end up comedy class, which was very weird with a lot of crazy lunatics in it. But it forced me to write. It sort of put me – it gave me some discipline. Like I have to come into the class with material. I did that and then I decided, all right, I'm going to take all the – I hear about – I heard about UCB. So I'm going to go to UCB. That's where the funny people are going. For took, people who don't know, can you explain what it is? Upright Citizens Brigade is an improv sketch comedy theater and school – where people perform all kinds of uh, sketch and mostly improv shows at night, Um, one-person shows, group improv shows. There's a million things they do there now. Um, and during the day really functions as an improv and, to a lesser extent, sketch comedy school. They teach you there's classes for writing and improv, but it's mainly known for improv. It was started by Amy Poehler and Brad Walsh and Ian Roberts and Matt Besser, and now it's blown up. There's, like, two or three locations in New York. I think there's two locations in L.A. now, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people got their start. And I actually, the truth is, just for accuracy's sake... Mm -hmm. I took all the classes at Upright Citizens Brigade for improv. Then I started writing Creation Nation, my own show, which I did in a lot of theaters before I went back Dumber. to UCB yeah. to perform just because Creation Nation was a bit of a production there was video there were like dancers you know I have an active imagination <laughs> and so I found these producers at a theater called Ars Nova in New York right. which you know they gave you uh, some more resources than you might get at UCB and they were really into me and and we had a great relationship and then later on after Creation Nation took off a little bit I st- I went back to UCB to perform
1: Let's talk about what Creation Nation was. As I understand it, it was you and a bunch of friends that you came out of Northwestern with, Mm -hmm. and it really caught on to the extent that in 2005, there was a pretty extensive New York Times profile, yeah, and just that it was different than most of the other stuff that was out there at the Mm -hmm. time. So can you explain a little bit more about what that was? Creation Nation, uh, I loved talk shows, still love talk shows,
0: morning shows, daytime shows, late night talk shows. Always since I was a kid, I love that sort of a thing. I also love, like, award shows. Like, I love when kind of Hollywood and theater kind of merge in a strange way. So I decided I would – no one was going to give me a talk show at this point. No one knew who the hell I was. So I thought, I'm going to just write my own talk show. But I didn't want it to just be a standard talk show. And it was going to be on stage in New York. And I thought, what if if we did a show – where I was the host, and I got my best friend, Robin Lord Taylor, who is now the penguin on Gotham. And <laughs> we were living together at the time as, as roommates. We we're like very close friends mm-hmm. since Northwestern, still very close friends. And so Robin was also doing the struggling actor thing, and I thought, I'm going to write us a thing. You'll be my sidekick. We'll get some of our musicians' friends from Northwestern to be the band. I got another one of my friends to be the director. And I thought, what if we take a talk show, but kind of explode it so that it, it starts out and it looks like, oh, this guy's like doing his version of Regis. Kelly or Letterman or some, you know, mashup of that on stage. And then it goes into other directions you don't think it's going to. And, and it took a little bit of a, um, you know, sort of midway through the show, things would get more surreal, more emotional. <laughs> You realize there was some weird, ambiguous relationship between me and Robin, a guy, my sidekick, <laughs> right. which we didn't fully explain, but right. you could tell like it was like layered in between what we were doing, that something was going on there. And I, over time, developed this persona. And as the host of Creation Nation, we called the Creation Nation a live talk show. And it would start out, I'd come out, I'd do a monologue that I wrote, topical monologue, the way Conan would do or Fallon would do. I would banter with Robin a little bit. It was all scripted, Mm -hmm. but we would throw in some improv sometimes. Mm -hmm. Robin and I would talk about what we were doing in our careers. We, We had a segment called What Are You Working On? Um, where we talked about our auditions and things, but written in a funny way. Right. We would mock things happening in pop culture. I remember, for some reason, this always sticks out, the movie 300 was big at the time. <laughs> right. So I said that I had, I had an audition for the prequel 227, <laughs> right? And we would show like a fake poster that right. was a mashup of like 300 and the sitcom 227. <laughs> it was just like, a, a Creation Nation was just like, a, it was like a delivery system for me to basically say whatever funny shit I wanted right. to say about pop culture, about the business, about this weird relationship I had going on with my sidekick. Right. And it was and the host persona I developed was irrationally passionate about pop culture. And it started out kind of mellow. And over the course of the evening, it was like a 90-minute show, he would get angrier and angrier. <laughs> and in the middle of the show, I would do like a monthly movie review because we did the show every month and we would change it. And the movie review would start out, oh, you know, Nicole Kidman has a new movie coming out. And it would escalate into, like, a 10, 12-minute horribly angry, passionate, like, sweaty stroke of a movie review where I would, like, almost, like, dissect all of, just for instance, like, Nicole Kidman's career and and, and this movie review. By the end of it, I was, like, sweating and crying (laughs) and, like, on the floor. Robin had to console me. Um, And then... Then after that sort of review portion of the show, I would say to the audience, you know, it's clear to me that I'm focused too much about on myself and pop culture. So recently I went out to the street to ask people what they think about important issues. And in this video, which we would then show, which looks and feels very much like a Billy on the Street mm-hmm. video, I would go up to people and say, what do you think about the war in Iraq? What do you think about global warming? What do you think about Afghanistan? What do you think about the election, whatever election was happening at the time? And it would start out about political issues and then... At some point in the video, you know, it would be like, what do you think about the election? What do you think about Iraq? Have you seen Iron Man? (laughs) And I would get right back to pop culture, even though I said I wasn't going to. And then as soon as that would happen in the video, that turn, that's when the running started. I would run around, like, screaming about (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow. So there was kind of a point to it. Like, on one level, it was very silly. On another level, I was sort of presenting a character that was saying, I know we – I can't help but be obsessed with entertainment, even though I know – there are other things in the world. You know, I know it's too self-indulgent, too navel-gazing and all of these things, but I created this character that was irrationally interested in entertainment.
1: So is part of the underlying thing with that character and then with Billy on the Street, the character Billy in that, is that driven by concern or disappointment on your part that the society is so celebrity obsessed and really, you know, deals so much in vapid stuff. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. the most emblematic interview, in a way, of Billy on the Street is when you talk to that girl about the Kardashians, and it mm-hmm. goes on and on and on, and you just see that there are some people out there yeah. who totally exist in that world. Yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah, I mean, of course we're too celebrity obsessed, and that that's a given at this point, and that's not going away. For me, Billy on the Street, even though I don't know if anyone else would ever describe it like this, but for me, it's a satire of someone like me of who has this love-hate relationship and this love-hate obsession with the entertainment industry and the Kardashians are part of that we th- in that particular clip we talked about them but you know we I've done like full segments about like Kate Blanchett I mean it's highbrow it's lowbrow it's it's sort of everything I talk about every element of the business we yeah. get very insidery you know, there are jokes about agencies and things sometimes. You know, I watch it. I don't want to get too insidery that an average person doesn't <laughs> right. know what I'm talking right. about. Although at this point, who cares? <laughs> but for me, it's it's a satire of of being so interested in it and, and why. And the things you obsess about as someone in entertainment, like just the idea that you're going to ask some random person on the street who couldn't give a shit. <laughs> You know, like uh, these these very sort of pointed questions right. about the industry. That idea still makes me laugh, and right. that's what it's about to me.
1: Was anything other than the idea of just a guy on the street repurposed from, and I mean that in not a negative way, but just mm-hmm. re, from Creation Nation? I mean, the only thing from what I've read about Creation mm-hmm. Nation was— like the tailgating outside a musical skip. Have you been able to draw from things that you guys did with Creation Nation? Yeah, well, the
0: tailgating outside of a musical we did on Billy on the Street. Right, that's what I mean. I literally pulled that, except... When I did it on stage, it was for Little Women, the musical, which was happening at the time. And now we changed it to Wicked. Wicked. But, um, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, if you go back, those videos from Creation Nation are on YouTube. Really? I mean, yeah, they're kind of, they're grainier now, you know, compared to how we shoot it now. Mm -hmm. But And you can see Robin, and in the first few, he's like running around with me. (laughs) And uh, they really... You know our production values have gone up, and I should say too, Billy on the street now has gotten much even bigger than me. Just talking to people, we do these obstacle yeah. courses, and we, you know, we're the whole thing has gotten just a lot bigger. But uh, yeah, no, it looks very similar to the videos that I did in Creation Nation. It's that guy. Yeah. I mean, it you know it
1: took a long time to get from the stage to TV, but it's it's very similar. So I know you get this a lot, and I just want to give you the opportunity if you want to set the record straight for anybody who may be confused. Mm-hmm. Is the Billy and Billy on the Street basically equivalent to the Amy and inside Amy Schumer? This is not you. Correct. Right? Absolutely. 100%. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, how could that be a person? <laughs> and I think that's why I'm very happy about Difficult People coming along, which is a scripted series I do on Hulu yes. that Amy Poehler produces. Where I do play a guy named Billy who, who talks about pop culture a lot, but it's a scripted show. He's a three-dimensional character. He's dating. He has issues with his family, with his career. And especially with the second season coming up, I think, even more than the first, we really dive into the non-show business aspects of my character on Difficult People, and that's been really great. You know, I wonder, like, you know, who's watching Billy on the Street? Who's watching Difficult People? There's so many shows to watch. You know, I don't necessarily know everyone's watching all of these things. But but there it, is a thread, right? Because Difficult People, your co-star is? Julie Klausner, Julie Klausner. who was writing on Billy on the Street. Right. And that's how we got to know each other. Right. And she came to me at one point and said, I wrote a pilot, like a female Caribbean enthusiasm, um, but from the perspective of a woman and her gay best friend instead of, like, Larry David and Jeff Garland. Right. And um, Amy Poehler was going to get on board to produce it, and she asked me if I wanted to do it. And, of course, immediately I said yes. And, you know, at the time I thought, oh, this will be fun. Uh, And now I realize, like, what a gift that show is for me. Because getting back to the whole Joan Rivers issue where she kind of waited maybe a little too long to you know let people know she wanted to be an actress you know i i don't want to have that happen and but but it's never not going to happen unless you have something to show right. people where you're acting and in difficult people i really get to do that
1: simultaneously simultaneously so
0: That's really, I mean, I'm very grateful for that. So Billy on the Street, yeah, of course it's a it's a persona, yeah, of course it is. You know, it's inspired (laughs) by my own obsessions. You know, I describe it as it's me, it's like my 12 year old id, just (laughs) exaggerated in the body of like an adult person. And I think of Billy on the Street as almost like a live action cartoon, almost. You know, I loved Pee Wee Herman as a kid. There's definitely some of that in there. Is there any Um, maybe Jiminy Glick? Love Jiminy Glick. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Martin Short. I mean, I loved all those Martin Short characters. I loved, like, Steve Martin and his stand-up shows. They really had a very theatrical quality to them. Um, It wasn't just like, let me tell you a story about my wife, like, standing against, like, a brick wall. (laughs) You know, like, um, it was very theatrical and very absurd and larger than life and silly. And all of that is in Billy on the Street.
1: So today when people want to see Billy on the Street, they go to either – Clips on YouTube, but also True TV. It didn't start there. It's moved around a bit. Can you talk about who first bought into the idea for Mm -hmm. for Cable, and then how has it moved around?
0: I had an idea. Someone long ago said, I was thinking, like, how do we take—we had a deal to turn Creation Nation, the entire show, into a show at Bravo. Sold them a script. That pilot never got made. And then I thought, okay, Creation Nation is a little—if you don't know me yet, you know I'm not a name. Creation Nation is a lot for someone to wrap <laughs> their head around. So, but the Billy on the Street videos in Creation Nation always landed so hard, no matter where we were, no matter what comedy festival, people would just freak out over the the videos. And I thought maybe we zero in on that, um, and that's my that that sort of getting my foot in the door you know just let's do that that already looks like a tv show because it's literally on film obviously and there have been things similar to it in the past so it won't be that hard for a tv exec who's worried doesn't really know me to wrap their head around this so that's where sort of the idea was generated. Then someone said to me you should maybe watch Cash Cab. Maybe there's something there even though Cash Cab is not anything like Billy mm-hmm. on the Street mm-hmm. other than the fact that we shoot on in, in New York. But I watched that and that somewhere in there I thought there's something here, my take on a game show. Like Billy on the Street is a game show but subjective. You know, and, and that's kind of the idea of having a subjective game show where people won or lost if they agreed with my opinion <laughs> was the initial thing. And that idea always excited people. And then what happened was Funny or Die, though a website production company that Will Farrell and Adam McKay started, the president of production there, Mike Farrah, who's a great guy, he reached out to me out of the blue and emailed me. Never had any connection to him at all he just got my email somehow and he said I love your videos and we're posting a lot of them on funny or die we really like what you're doing if you're ever in LA come and talk to me and I was really struggling at the time I mean there were people writing that I was funny but I wasn't making a dime from these videos I was losing money I had to go out and shoot them instead of going to like a temp job yeah you know it was hard to figure all of that out and so funny or die (laughs) reached out to me and Mike said, come see me in L.A. I did. I like, well, I'm not an idiot. I got on a plane. Really? I was like, oh, I happen to be in L.A. <laughs> and so um, I, uh, I told Mike. Mike, I think, maybe thought, oh, you'll do your videos exclusively for Funny or Die. And I said to him, I don't know if you guys are doing TV. Mm-hmm. But I have an idea to do something more than web videos. What if we, and that's when I pitched the game show version, like what I'm doing now, but adding some like dollars to it, you know, some weird prizes. And he loved it. And because it was Funny or Die, he was able to just sort of slide me some money because they were in the business of making videos every week. So Mm -hmm. I don't even think he told Will and Adam. But he said, I'm just going to act like I'm giving you money to go make a video for the website. Hope it's okay that I'm saying this. Um, and he gave me uh, some money to basically go make a, a video for Funny or Die, but one that would show Billy on the Street as a game show yeah. that we could take around as a sizzle reel to pitch networks. And he did, and he he, he set me up with sort of, you know, a higher... He uh, set me up with like some, some filmmakers in New York mm-hmm. who could give it a little more production value than right. it had in, on YouTube just right. to make it look a little better. We made that sizzle reel. It was a really funny sizzle reel. It really, really worked as a game show, loosely as mm-hmm. a game show. And then over time has really turned into a sketch comedy show mm-hmm. on the street. But Mike and I took that sizzle reel around. We pitched it everywhere. We got a ton of pilot offers from... Bravo and Comedy Central and all these places, which were the places I dreamed of doing the show. And then Fuse, a smaller network, came along and said, we love this. I think they knew I would never just make a pilot at Fuse if I could make a pilot at Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. So they said, we'll take you straight to series 10 episodes. You get more or less final cut. We'll involve you in everything. You'll be like, we'll promote you as hard as we've ever promoted anything. And I was in no position to say no to that. And I got the feeling that they weren't lying about the creative control yeah. part. That, that you know, on a bigger network, there's 9 million shows lined up to take your place. So I thought, you know, I have such an idiosyncratic brain. I had a very specific vision for Billy on the Street. I did want it to turn into a sketch show, more or less. And I thought I would have more power there. Plus, they were putting me on TV. Right. So that's what we did for the first three seasons. And then Fuse was sold to a company, and we were— and whatever we were, we could sort of um, infer from where that company was taking Fuse, it didn't seem like we were going in the same direction. <laughs> let's say that. And also, Billy on the Street Online started to blow up in a way. And and we were sort of bigger than the network to a certain degree, although the network was incredibly supportive. Right. No one had Fuse or no one watched Fuse. Right. And so people were watching the clips online and thinking it was a web series. And, and I was thinking, guys... I'm working way too hard to make half-hour episodes for someone to think I'm doing a web series of three-minute episodes, although it's very nice that people like these videos. So luckily, we talked to Fuse, and we had a very honest conversation. We were able to move the show, and there was a lot of interest in moving the show. And we ended up uh, with a really cool deal at Turner, which is to have the show on True TV, and then also a second window on TBS, which runs um, Billy on the Street as well. And we still have the videos online. And that's probably still how most people see it, because people just like
1: to watch the things online, and that's how they got used to it. But that's the story. Now, you have said that, quote, Billy on the Street is the hardest thing that I will ever do, close quote. Yeah. Why is that? And I'm not surprised that you said, it, but I'm just yeah. curious how you... Um, It's a very long haul
0: to make those episodes. You need an insane amount of footage. It's improvised. It's not... You're not working with professional actors. So as much as we prepare and we do so that that the $4 questions are sharp and funny, so that the obstacle courses are funny and actually building the obstacle courses becomes a whole thing. I mean, it's like you're building a a set, Mm -hmm. you know, for like a Broadway show or something. There's sketches, there's drafts, you know. We have a whole, like, art studio where things are being built and the prizes, I mean, it's gotten out of hand and everything that happens on the show goes... Nothing gets away from me Before it actually gets made right. I have to Chime in on everything I don't have to But I I want to Yeah And then you have to Shoot so much To get 10 half hour Episodes Of that. improvised Essentially Footage and then you have to watch all that footage and then you have to edit that Mm -hmm. footage there's no script something that could go into episode one could as easily go into episode eight who's to say where it lands like and who's to say it's me i say (laughs) um but in order for me to be involved in all of it You gotta stretch out that schedule I'm very lucky that When we went to True TV I said Look you know all these networks want the show I want to be very transparent Because this is how long it takes me to make the show You guys want me to crank out 22 episodes a year It ain't possible Mm -hmm. I will die And so and also think of the character That I'm playing I can't be low energy I can't decide to sort of phone it in One day because then I'm not Billy on the street You can't use that footage So I have to be that crazy exaggerated persona every second that we're filming and so i go home i pass out i mean i literally will shoot billy on the street for five or six hours go home take like an hour and a half two hour nap get up and then do like four or five hours of work to prep for the next Mm -hmm. shooting days you know and so stretch that out over the course of four months it ain't easy and then you have to
1: edit that's why it's the hardest thing I'm ever going to do. That makes sense. A few other just random logistical things. How do you decide where to film? Is it just trying to cover different parts of New York? I like as much variety as possible. Mm-hmm. I've been making this
0: thing in some form or another for so long now. I mean, the first Billy on the Street video for my live show I did, the first time it was it was played at a live show was for like 40 people in the basement of a Jewish center on the Upper <laughs> West Side where I was doing some one-off show of creation nation for some reason. Right. And that was a uh, September of 2004. That's a long time ago. So I've been shooting now so long on the streets. There are certain neighborhoods, which for one reason or another tend to generate better footage. I don't know Upper why. said, Upper West Side is okay. Um, Chelsea, we shoot in a lot. Uh, You know, we then we'll walk from like Chelsea down, like through Lower Chelsea to Union Square and NYU, Washington Square Park. Then for whatever reason, if you if you keep going south of Washington Square Park, it's not good. (laughs) I don't know why. The East Village, like Lower East Side, people don't talk to you as much. Wall Street, no one's talking to you on Wall Street. Have you tried Harlem yet? We did shoot in Harlem. Yeah, we shot in Harlem for like the first season. Of Billy on the street Um, and we I think there's actually an idea for the new season that takes us back to Harlem but in general we try to get a wide variety of neighborhoods but ultimately we need good footage so we go to where we get good footage
1: what do you do to, if anything, to deal with the physical, constantly moving around? I mean, you had some guests. I think it was the lesbian mob. Mm-hmm. And one of those ladies was not it keeping wasn't up. It was a mob.
0: No, no, we no, never said the word <laughs> mob.
1: What did you call it? Lesbian lightning Lesbian, round, lesbian round, lightning yeah. So <laughs> one of those ladies was not keeping up. It's, it's clearly you're moving. Yes, we're moving
0: fast. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're running. Um, I mean, look, obviously it's stop and start. I need right, a break. Right, I need right, coffee. Right. I need, we're shooting. Oh, my God. This This year we're going to shoot in the middle of the summer. New York City July and August I mean I go through like seven t-shirts a day you know (laughs) sweating my ass off out there right some execs came to watch me film you know and they think it's gonna be fun people always think it's gonna be fun oh we want to come watch you film not just execs friends Other celebrities agents this that and it's fun for about 15 minutes and then they're (laughs) always like you know what This is amazing. We got to go. Like, we have a meeting to go to. They're dripping with sweat. Right. And I'm glad because, yeah, it's hard. Look how hard it is. It looks so easy. It looks like we go out. We shoot a few hours. Oh, isn't it amazing? I ran into this random, hilarious person every three seconds. (laughs) We have to shoot so much. It's so hard. And, of course, but we love the final product. But, um. How do I physically prepare? I don't know. I just it's like adrenaline and you do what you gotta do.
1: So for every episode, which is what, twenty two minutes or something? Twenty three, yeah, twenty three. So how much time of material would you say that's not used is accumulated for every episode?
0: A ton. Yeah. I've never done the math because who has time to sit down and crunch those numbers? I have to edit the damn show. Right. But it's a ton, a ton. Um, there's so much footage, and everyone always wants to see the footage. Anytime a journalist is writing about Billy on the Street, their first request is, can I see some of the deleted scenes? Right. I was like, no. Yeah. They were deleted right. because I don't want you to see right, them. Right, right, It's like there isn't extra footage, you know, <laughs> nowadays. And I feel bad. The networks now, they have this need for, for oh, we need digital content. Right. We need extra right. scenes. Yeah, if you're doing a scripted show, y- you can write a handful of extra scenes right. just for online. You right. can't do that with Billy on the Street. If it's not funny enough to go on the show. Right. No one is ever going to see it. Now, sometimes we have funny stuff where the person didn't sign a
1: release. So that's different. But if they didn't sign the release, we can't show it to you either. So even people that you have a confrontation with, like the woman who uh, (laughs) – I think you had said something like – she started to say, is this like a TV thing? And you had a little bit of a confrontation. Yeah, she
0: was like, oh, is this an internet thing or a TV thing? And she – it was very condescending. And that's for me is like red meat. (laughs) I can just jump right Right. on that and then pray she signs the release. And you want to know a really interesting story because of that? That's like kind of become a – famous clip from right. the most recent right. season and that woman we were having a nice conversation about right. like Angelina Jolie right. and then out of nowhere she she's like you. so what is this is this like an internet thing or a new or a TV thing in a very New York way <laughs> and I said actually and I get in her face right. and I'm like it's an internet thing and it's a TV thing right. and then she said I don't like your attitude <laughs> and I said I don't like yours yeah, you know yeah, like you know, who cares bitch. about you yeah, crazy right, bitch right. or whatever and like we curse at each other and then right. walk away right. now I that's one of the only sometimes it's hard to know what's gonna be funny when right. you watch it back sometimes things that feel funny in the moment for whatever reason are not as funny when you watch it back right. and sometimes things that you completely ignore that you forgot even happened are hilarious right. in that moment i knew that's a funny <laughs> clip but oh my god it's she you gonna run sign right after her is well, that- i don't run you after don't her. no 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 one wants to talk to me at that point but yeah. we have like an amazingly hard-working dedicated group of producers in the field with me and PAs right. who then go up to everyone. Right. Even if there's a person who just screams for a second. Right. Even if there's just a woman and her whole interaction is like, ah yeah. like <laughs> she has to sign a release or we have to blur her face right. and we never blur faces. Right. So someone goes up to the person and explains, you know, I think they have a whole you know shtick that they do right. like, you know, here's who he is and blah blah blah. Right. It's gotten a little easier because now we can like pull up a phone and say here he is with Michelle Obama. Right, if right, he's good enough right. for Michelle Obama, can yeah, okay, you, you sign the right. release? Um, <laughs> but at the beginning it wasn't that easy. But with that particular woman, they expl- cuz I was worried. I was like, "Damn it, I was like, right. she's never going to sign the release." <laughs> and and then the um, the producers came up to me and they told me she signed and I said, "How did you get her to sign?" And they said, "She said that she was angry, but once we explained to her what the show was, cuz she didn't know what the show was, she said, "Oh, Years ago, I dated Andy Kaufman. So I get it. I get what he's oh doing. Oh my god! And isn't that That's crazy? crazy? Only in New York.
1: The other thing that I wondered, and I think I see it when there's a small print at the end, but basically like Judge Judy, whether or not they win in a game that you play, they actually do get whatever the prize was, right? Is that true? No. No.
0: That is not exactly true. So I think... It's it depends. It's it's complicated. Figuring out the legal on this show is a very complicated <laughs> issue. How do you have a subject a subjective right. game show? And but the thing is now we're not a game we're not classified as a game show anymore because I just thought that was ridiculous. We're right. not a game show, right. guys. It's a comedy show. Right. So now we're classified as an entertainment program. And you it's interesting, all these rules that apply, if you're this, if you're that. Anyway, I think in certain cases, if I I can't say for, so for subjective questions, I have to have it written down in advance what my answer is. Even though it's subjective, I can't change on a dime in the middle just because I don't like the person. Right. You know, there has to be um, <laughs> some, uh, what do you call it, uh, consistency, I guess, there. And if I do change on a dime, in certain cases, we have to give the person the prize anyway for legal matters. Right. Now, I think that was when we were classified as a game show, so and now not. we're just a comedy show, and I'm not sure if those rules still apply, although I'm not sure if they ever change the credits to reflect <laughs>
1: that. A few other questions that are not of international importance, but I yes. think people that watch the show will appreciate it. Why do you guys have a mic with a wire? Why do we have a mic with a wire? Because when we first started out, doing the videos
0: for my live show. I had no money. We went to Radio Shack and got the cheapest mic, and the cheapest (laughs) mic was not wireless, obviously. But by some accident, I love the aesthetic of it, and so we never change it. I think it helps amp up the tension that I'm physically connected to the cameraman, and (laughs) even though you can see the cameraman, that wire gives it this tension that I like. So we never changed it.
1: How does the cameraman in front of you who captures you walking forward not crash into people? I don't know
0: <laughs> and we have two camera guys Doug Cambaris right. and Bradley Wegner I mean they are it's a miracle they come back to the show <laughs> now of course we, they have assistance right. and security to well, make sure yeah. I mean when I'm running jetting down the street with Amy Poehler they are having to run as fast as I am, but backwards yeah. with cameras on their shoulders. And also, they don't know who what's going to happen. Right. They don't know, like, not only are they running backwards, they don't know who I'm going to talk to at any given second. And they have to capture that. It's unreal.
1: Have you ever had any physical altercation as a result of either startling or offending somebody? No. Uh,
0: surprisingly we have not everyone always wants like a good story about how i got punched in the face or something (laughs) one time and back in my youtube days an old lady slapped me across the face really it was some sexually charged question (laughs) not not it wasn't i wasn't asking about sex with her but it was like a sexually related question about some celebrity i don't even think she knew what i was talking about but she slapped me she knew enough to slap me across the face um (laughs) she did not sign the release um and but other than that one time, a guy just was kind of like being a dick, and like, I, I don't know, he like sort of like shook my camera guy a little mm-hmm. bit. It didn't really escalate from there because yeah. we have security right. guards. Oh, you um, do? Okay. Yeah, we have security guards. We have one guard when I'm filming by myself because no one cares if I get hit. <laughs> but when we have a big celebrity with me, we have a couple. Right. You know, no one cares about me getting hit in the face, right. but no one wants to see Amy Polar. Right,
1: hit right, in the right. Face. How and why did Elena, as opposed to someone else, go from being a random interview subject to your sidekick? So, oh, I wouldn't say she's a sidekick, <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not glorify it. I
0: mean, she doesn't need it. Believe me, her head <laughs> right, has gotten right, big enough. Right, right, right. Um, Elena is a random person I ran into on 23rd Street right. where we shoot all the time. There's a game on the show, sort of a longer form game we play sometimes called Quizzed in the Face. It's a three-round game. She did not want to play. She had somewhere to be. She was running for the subway, but she stuck around. And she is one of the funniest people, without knowing it fully... I think now she must realize oh I guess I'm funny <laughs> but I thought she was so funny and so authentically New York even though she's from Oklahoma originally um, but she's lived in New York a long time and she's just so acerbic and she can give it back to me yeah. as fast as I give it to her right. and, and and the viewers love yes. that and just she's one of those naturally funny people I mean she's kind of a curmudgeon <laughs> and but in a very genuine way it's not right. scripted no. uh, Amy Poehler actually to bring up one example at the beginning She used to watch the show, and she insisted to me. She was like, Elena knows what she's doing. And I was like, Amy, I'm telling you. I deal with her off camera, too. She really, this is not a a construct. Like, this is real. And um, we have
1: to bring her back because everyone loves her. Yeah. How about the celebrity guests? You have such an assortment from people that you ended up working with on Parks and Rec, which we can talk about as well, but also to people that seem... Fairly random, like Meg Ryan and Lindsay Lohan. How do yeah. you arrive at who it is?
0: Every year, I sit down with Mike Farah, who I mentioned from Funny or Die. We have no celebrity booking agent who works on the show. Mike and I do it all on our own. Wow. Because ultimately, especially at this point, we have the relationships, you know. I mean, a Billy on the Street, I think—so uh, to so get back to the process before I go off sure. on yet another tangent— <laughs> I basically sit down and I think, what's, like, the dream list for whatever reason? And sometimes, you know, you want, like, a well-known person on the show. And sometimes Mike will say, what about this? I think it was Mike who said to me, what about Lindsay Lohan? He had a relationship with her. She had done some stuff with Funny or Die. And I thought, hmm, would have never thought about that for Billy on the Street. Would have never thought she would do Billy on the Street. Like, she would want to do it. And then I thought, let me sit, sit sit around with the writers and think, like, what's an interesting thing we can do with Lindsay Lohan? I didn't want to do anything that had anything to do with her personal mm-hmm. life. I wanted to show her the way we would show any actor, just doing something, bring her into my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did. And we had her, like, destroying a car yeah, with great. me. <laughs> and and I, I, I loved seeing her not have to be Lindsay lohan Mm -hmm. like what we think of i really i like that idea so at the time people were like why you have Lindsay lohan on the show and i thought because i wanted i thought it was a fun challenge like for us to sort of show her in a different light to just show her being silly and fun so i like that sometimes there are actors i just love who i want on the show like oh my god sorry don't worry um (laughs) i just i just like basically punched the microphone um uh, like Julianne Moore. Right. I was a huge that fan, was amazing, yeah. you know, like or and then there are people I've worked with, Chris Pratt, you know, who I thought would be so fun and Amy and sometimes there are people Billy on the street this is what I was going to say originally has a big following in the industry yeah. and among celebrities especially in the comedy world which yeah. is very nice. And so, you know, I heard Paul Rudd is a fan, so we reached out. You know, sometimes you hear so and so is a fan, right. so you reach out. Um, in terms of Meg Ryan, yeah, I thought that was a very specific idea I had. I thought to myself one day, as someone who thinks about pop culture a lot, you know, where's Meg Ryan? Like, I grew up loving Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't Meg Ryan doing more? I think it's partially because she doesn't want to. Right, right. But I thought we're doing we were putting together like a Thanksgiving episode, knowing that we were gonna be airing around Thanksgiving, and I thought I want to do a round, a, like a lightning round, where I'm running around with Meg Ryan, making sure people remember and are thankful for what right. Meg Ryan has done right. for us, right? This was the sort of the kernel of the initial idea. And I never thought she would do it. And I reached out to Mike Farah, um, and he reached out to her representative, and her representative got back to him and said, I love the idea. I have no idea if she'll do right. it. And she got Meg got right back to us and said, yeah, I'll do it. And and she was great, and yeah, so sometimes it starts with an idea, sometimes people reach out to us now. Well, I know the top of your
1: wish list is Meryl Streep, I believe, right? Always, yeah. But is there somebody else really crazy random that would be fun? I mean, like Mel Gibson or somebody you could have fun with? Well, I don't know about Mel Gibson, Scott (laughs) Feinberg. (laughs)
0: Um, But, um, you know, I, I like surprising people, you know, like... And I like working with actors who I really respect, you know, like right. I think like, you know, we reached out to Kathy Bates last yeah. season, you know, and she said she would do it, you know, uh, if she's ever in New York, yep. you know, that becomes a big part of it too, the scheduling. But any other actors? Oh, you know, I people that I grew up loving is always like a big mm-hmm. win for me, like Steve Martin. I did a video with Martin Short for Red Nose Day. We did a Billy on the Street video with me and Martin Short running around, and that was just like a dream come true. People like that. It's it's a long list of people. We got close to Rihanna last year, which didn't end up happening, but I thought that she has such a funny energy about mm-hmm. her to me that that would be really fun. Justin Timberlake I would love on the show because he's so funny, and we, we met each other recently, and he said he was a fan.
1: I think that would be fun. So not a long list. Sure. So then you wound up with – michelle obama did you ever i know that was elena's top of her wish list but did (laughs) you for you i mean is that maybe you can talk a little bit about how that came about but also just at that point can you believe that this character has taken you that far no absolutely
0: not and i think you know fun Your die has a good relationship with uh the obamas and their Mm -hmm. team um zach galifianakis did that amazing between two ferns with Mm -hmm. the president And and they actually attribute that video to really getting a lot of young people to sign up for the Affordable Health Care Act. And because of that, um, you know, I I believe it started with the first lady wanting to get the word out about this uh, uh, campaign she was doing with Sesame Street called Eat Brighter as part of the Let's Move campaign, getting kids to exercise and eat healthy. And Sesame Street did this amazing thing where I think for the first time in its history, I think, they licensed the characters' faces for free. For a certain amount of time for the fruits and vegetables and produce makers to put on apples and bananas in in grocery stores because they did some study which shows a young kid is much more likely to pick up a banana as opposed to cheese doodles if it has a big bird's face on it or something. So it's really cool and she wanted like a fun way to get the word out about this and so – you know the White House knew about me um, and knew about Billy on the street, and I think I had fans and her among her team. Yeah, and they reached out actually and said, "Would Billy want to do a Billy on the street type of segment? Most likely not on the street right. for security reasons and <laughs> logistical reasons, right. but a Billy on the street type of segment with the First Lady and maybe one of the Sesame Street characters to promote this campaign." And we did, and it was—I was—I rarely get nervous at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, you're chugging along, you're filming every day, and you're just, who's here today? Oh, okay, well, I'll have to deal with that. But it's the first lady. And I was very concerned. I wanted to, of course, be respectful of who she is, but not drop character. Right. So how do you do that when you're this Right, character? screaming in her face and or whatever. so But I was really, I was very, she came, and the first thing she said to me was, I am ready. She was like, I haven't, because it was an interesting, of course, being the first lady, her team reached out and said, okay, we need to see the questions in advance. And I said, like, that doesn't work Mm -hmm. for Billy on the street. It's not scripted. You need spontaneous answers, whether it's a random person on the street or the first lady, like no matter who it is, it has to be spontaneous. And of course, trust me, we'll edit things out and, you know, all of that. But, you know, we can't script it. And... We were very lucky because we we sort of came upon a solution where I sent over some questions in the style of what I would ask, but none of them I actually asked. And when she arrived that day at the grocery store in D.C. where we filmed, she said to me, she was like, all right, I was told I can't know anything, I don't know anything, (laughs) and I'm just ready.
1: But did she know the format enough to know that you're going to... You know, the first time you turn away from her and scream into the camera, yeah. she jumped a little no, bit. No, I don't
0: think she was expecting it. No, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think she knew. I think she, you know, she'd right. seen some videos and things, right. but. I, I don't know what she was expecting, right. but, but I you I think the reaction you're getting from her is a true one, right. where I'm, like, I'm screaming about, like, Gene Hackman or right, something right. coming out of retirement, right, right. <laughs> like, I don't know why,
1: right. in my uh, very Billy on the Street way, and no, you're seeing a real reaction from her there. That's hilarious. Okay, so a few of the famous segments, now, for a dollar, these requests, some of them kill me, and just for people who may not have seen the show yet, uh, here's a couple that I just... Die about when I when I hear them. Miss for a dollar, look in the camera and wish Suge Knight a happy Hanukkah. Yes, and she did. Yeah, yeah, she very
0: nervously that girl, but she did do it. And then, will you join me? Will
1: you join me in a quick prayer for Catherine?
0: That was one of my favorite clips from last season. I got this couple. They must have been from the Midwest or something. I don't know. Like an older couple to hold hands with me in the middle of the street <laughs> and just say a prayer for Catherine Heigel and, can, you know, continued success.
1: So those things, though, you've, you've sort of thought through in your mind before or they're truly improvised? Sometimes they're Some-
0: improvised. Sometimes I'm walking on the street and I'll see, like, an ad on a bus. You know, you're right. in Manhattan. You're right. surrounded by right. all this, right. like, signage and, and all these ads. And, you know, or, or I'll have written down on a piece of paper, like, you know, as a subject – Catherine Heigl, right. or like Shonda Rhimes, or something, <laughs> and then I'll just sort of over the course of the day of shooting, I'll riff, you know, and then that's one way it happens, and then some other times I'll have on a piece of paper for a dollar. You know, say a, let's say a prayer for Catherine Hangel. So that idea, I planned in advance. But right. is anyone going to
1: do it with me? You know, so well. In the, some of them, you you, it's almost like not even a question. It's just like a statement. Miley oh, yeah. Cyrus then or now, <laughs>
0: then my, and now. My, yeah, I just go up to someone and I say, Miss Miley Cyrus then and now, and just wait for a reaction. And that's. I have to say, even after years of doing this thing, that sort of very pointed, specific statement, just to go <laughs> up to a random person on the street who was going about their day right. and say, you know, where were you when Kelly Osborne left fashion police? <laughs> that was one of my favorites. And she really season. engaged. And she really engaged. She's like, a legend. A very genuine. Oh, my God.
1: Right. How about the quizzes? where it's, again, it's for examples for people who don't know, Adam Sandler movie or Gay Bar, and then you go through a bunch of titles. Yeah, well, that,
0: that was a game. Those games, I'm yeah. obviously reading off of cards, and so those games are prepped in advance. Right. Um, that was one of our writers came up with that idea, and it w- I was, like, floored by that idea yeah. because when you look at the names of Adam Sandler movies, for, one, for some weird reason, they could also be the names of Gay Bars. Right. There was this weird, <laughs> unexpected overlap, and I don't know how they... How they realize that? Right. Because it's so out of nowhere. But man, I loved it. Great idea.
1: <laughs> Do you ever have a tough time keeping a straight face?
0: Yes, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Because you know it's so hard to get good footage. If right. I feel in my gut this could be good. I'm, like, telling myself, I'm, like, think of your grandmother dying. I mean, you know, like, you're doing anything you can because if I laugh, it's not as funny. Right. There have been a handful of times, I think mostly with Elena. Right, where you'll break a little. Because she says things that just come out of nowhere. And they're so, uh, like, so exactly what you want Elena to say. But you never know what exactly it's going to be or when (laughs) it's going to come. And there have been times with Elena when I just, I break. (laughs) I can't help
1: it. Do you remember which joke or topic or quiz or whatever fell flattest?
0: A lot. A lot. I mean, but we don't. We never, never see say that. that. Right, right, right. Um, what fell flattest? Sometimes, you know. Sometimes it's not about the game as much as I mean look, we've played a million games that fall flat, which is why they haven't gotten on the air. But sometimes it's the contestant, you know, like you can have a great game and a great you could play Adam Sandler or Gay Bar, but at the end of the day, the game could be funny and I could be on, but if the person isn't giving me anything to work with, they're just a random person right. on the street. They're right. not a performer, they get nervous, right. you know so that's really what makes the footage unusable that's why you have to shoot so much
1: how do you explain somebody's inability when you go up there and you're like name a woman and they can't do it or name three white people
0: yeah well it's a bit of a social experiment in that way you know like how does someone's mind function when they're caught off guard Yeah, Um, the simplest thing becomes an impossible task
1: are there any subjects that you hesitate even for a second to crack jokes about probably yeah you know, I'm not going
0: to, like, rip into someone who's a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't say any joke at mm-hmm. all, but, like, you know, there's levels of of mocking someone. Um I'm trying to think if they're... You know, what I like to stay away from is tired subjects. You know, like... Um, we've had like a little stuff about the Kardashians but not really a lot mm-hmm. like I'd much rather talk about Kate Blanchett right. than the Kardashians right. like I'm a, I'll do a whole segment on like Charlotte Rampling you know like <laughs> I have like I'm very like you know inside baseball right.
1: and very pretentious who in that sat way. in your seat by the way not that long ago she, wow. did. she did this podcast anyway if you knew that <laughs> probably the only time Charlotte yeah, Rampling same will same be sharing <laughs> a seat if you knew that uh, North Korea was going to hack YouTube and take down every one of these videos but you could save one which would you be most upset to lose wow
0: what's the video that would be oh man there are so many um probably the one with the first lady yeah because it's just to think about the fact that i was struggling so hard for so many years doing what i'm doing now but just not getting paid for it and thinking about executives telling me I was to this or I was to that or just sort of not seeing it the mm-hmm. way I could see it in my head. And then thinking about how far we've come, that we got to the point where the first lady's office was reaching out, would Billy consider? Right. And I'm like, would I consider? <laughs> um, you know, that's just a sign of... Progress, right. to me. And so that's why I would keep
1: that one. Did Parks and Rec come out of the success of Billy on the Street or did it precede it? I'm trying to... No,
0: comment. no, no. I was doing Billy on the Street a long time and I think Mike Shore and the writers at Parks and Rec were just big fans of the Billy on the Street persona and Mike Shore actually DM'd me on Twitter. That's how he got in touch wow. with me, not through agents or anyone. And uh, he said, hey, I think we have a part for you
1: if you're interested. And of course, I jumped at it. So that's one thing that's come out of all of this. Another mm-hmm. thing is that you are now both a daytime and a primetime Emmy nominee. Yeah. So was that something that you ever even realized was possible when you started doing this show? It's not a typical no, format.
0: it's not a typical show. Um Yeah, it was funny. For the Daytime Emmys, I guess that's the only place they had a game show category. And at the beginning, we thought of ourselves as a game show. Mm -hmm. It's become very apparent over time. That was the first season. We're about to go into season five. It's become very apparent over time that this is a sketch comedy show that happens to take place on the street. And we do more scripted things
1: now. So Um, now you guys, just for voters who may be listening, you are eligible in and were nominated last year in the category for Outstanding Short Format Live Action Entertainment Program when that bastard Galifianakis ended up winning last year, but yeah. you would be in that category again this year? This year, but also
0: uh, Best Variety Sketch Series.
1: So it's now eligible in that category yes. where it wasn't before? Correct. Oh, so that's
0: big news. So that's this good. is a big thing. Yeah. yeah, Forget that short form Yeah, you're bullshit. taking
1: down Schumer now, maybe. Um, uh, right? I don't think we'll take down <laughs> Schumer, but
0: yeah, it's like in that Schumer, Key and Peele yeah. category, Billy on the Street is eligible to be nominated that's this year. That's a big deal, yeah. So that's a big deal. You know, I think that... You know, I I think we belong there, you know, like the show has come a long way. We are known for these sketches now. And, you know, in this past season, specifically, the one that's eligible Mm -hmm. now, we really, we, we really sort of went into more social commentary, more political commentary, there were games like eddie murphy or mark twain <laughs> which you'll have to go watch <laughs> I, yeah um you know there we did a whole shondaland obstacle course we did a whole obstacle course about leah remini's escape from scientology <laughs> you know i think we're really doing things that other people aren't doing and i'm very proud of that so i hope we get an option and you
1: expose the show to a lot of people who may not have known about it before during last year's Emmys. That's right. That was fantastic. And yeah, that was that, a
0: big moment for me during the Seth Meyers yes. Emmys. Yes. Yeah, and because um, I did a Billy on the Street video with Seth Meyers about the Emmys for the Emmys, and that that went over very well, thankfully. And you're writing a book. In theory. In theory, yes. you got a few
1: other things. To do. Got a few other things. So, to do. last question: Let's say you walk out of our offices and want to go across the street to Starbucks, mm-hmm. and. You've now, through the show, much more familiar face than you were when this started, so somebody may well recognize you. What is that interaction like now for you? Do people kind of see you and run in the other direction, or do they think you're going to, you know, do they not know what to make of you when you're not with your camera?
0: It depends on the person. You know, some people come up to me. I mean, people come up to me all the time, and they're very nice. We're in an age of selfies, so there's no more autograph. Right. It's just, but there's constant selfies. Right. Which is great. You know, it's a nice... It, I think it's a nice mix now of people who know me and don't know me. Because if too many people know me at this point, I probably can't do this particular show. Right. Not that it's going to go on forever anyway. But I still have to do this. Season. You want a few more years you'd like? Uh, Billy on the Street? Um, Yeah. It, we're sort of, you know, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's a big undertaking, mm-hmm. so I kind of take it year by year. But yeah, people are nice to me on the street. Then sometimes on Twitter, I'll see people say like, "I saw you, but was too scared to say anything." Maybe that's good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm scaring some people <laughs> off
1: in in a good way. You're also for people who are just listening and haven't seen the show, or whatever. You're, you're tall. What are you, 6'3"? 6'3", yeah. yeah. I'm I'm an, sort of physically imposing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which may be another reason why you haven't been attacked on the street yeah. when you when you go People up on the scared. rug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very tough. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think it's made me laugh more than anything else I've seen this year. Oh, a long thank time. you. So I really appreciate it and good to see you again. You too. Thanks, yeah. Scott.